What I wanted to do was just a short encouragement going into the Christmas season with our hearts calibrated correctly. I've been studying to preach through the book of Haggai in January, and in that book there's this little phrase that's repeated several times. In the Hebrew it is, and set your heart. It's a command from God to Israel that Haggai tells them, set your heart. Um, And as we get closer to Christmas, uh, we all know it can be stressful, chaotic at times, uh, even worrisome. And I just wanted to encourage us tonight to set our hearts aright going into the holiday so that no matter what happens, our hearts are calibrated correctly to handle whatever unsuspecting things may come or whatever family member might do this or that or whatever it might be. So our hearts are calibrated correctly to handle those as they come. So I actually have a question for you, for Mike Runners, if you want to get ready. So Christmas, you know, is the most wonderful time of year, as the song says. It's a great time of year, but what are some of the difficulties that often accompany this season that often overshadow the joy? Wayne. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that we say that in our culture. And yet, I'll give you a guess what day is the most deadly for heart attacks in the United States. Christmas? It's Christmas. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, um, because the stress, people feel such intense stress to do all of the traditions and mm. to make it an event and to do the family stuff and and to the neglect of, of the joy and yeah. the actual warmth and the togetherness. It's all about the thing and the process. I know for my wife and I, it is a stress every year because every single year we know without fail there will be a tussle uh, on various timing issues. And, and it's very hard for us, you know, as, as parents to, to stand firm and say, you know, that that morning is, is us with our children, period. Um, and it's a fight every single year. Yeah, and so not only that, but then there's the uh, stress leading up to the day. Just, uh, I know something's going to happen. What's it going to be this year? And it can just, you know, be uh, just stress on your heart, worry, anxiety. Um, Adam. Not only the stress, but even just the busyness. Yeah. You know, to go along with like what Wayne was saying is, you know, okay, we need to be over here for your parents. Then we need to be back over here for my family's thing. And it's, it's just increased if you have any sort of traveling, whether it's within Colorado or further on as some of us have further on. Yeah. Even if you love the family you're going to see, it's just busy. It's a thing. Yeah. So that busyness can just really steal a lot of that joy away. Yeah. Yep. You're focused on not remembering what Christ did, but I've got to get to here, and then I've got to go here, here, and here. Anybody else? I think uh, maybe even as church people, we don't get, maybe it's wrapped up into the commercialization of Christmas, but we do still maybe get wrapped up into the, it's good to give. Yeah. And so it's like a lot of stress to think about, oh, what am I going to get this person? What am I going to get that person? Well, I have to get them something. And, I, ah. and you just start getting this mode of it's more about the giving than the gift that was given to us. Yeah. Yeah, good. That, that's totally true. You can be so preoccupied, you know, some people until uh, Christmas Eve on what to get somebody for Christmas. Then it's really stressful, though. Those are just some of the difficulties that often accompany this season 
So in anticipation of all of those difficulties, uh, let us just calibrate our hearts, our intellect, our will, and our emotions now so that we can react to those things when they happen. We know they're coming, so we can react to those things in a Christ-like manner when they come. So turn in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. John 3.16. I'm just going to read it because I don't need to wait for you all to get there. You probably have it memorized. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Uh, So we are kind of broke this up into three points. Three points to calibrate our hearts with and continue to counsel our hearts with through the Christmas season so that we can continue to think Christ-like. So first of all, point number one, God loved his sons and daughters for you girls in the room. God loved his sons and daughters. Point number two, God gave his son. And point number three, we receive his life. So point number one, God loved his sons. For God so loved the world. Okay, so let's start with the big one, world. And I could spend a long time On this, a lot of ink has been spilled on what the word world means. What is this word world referring to? And my short answer is context. Context, context, context. This reference to world is sandwiched in between two references to all who believe or whoever believes. So God's love comes to whoever believes. But that's not specific enough. That's out there in the realm of uncertainties, whoever would believe, because we don't know who all will believe. But what I want to remind you of tonight is that you are in there. If you have believed, then you are the object there of his love in this verse. For God so loved you. From before the foundation of the world, God loved you. You who believe. Even as I talked about Sunday night, even when you were his enemy, even when you were at the height of your rebellion, God loved you. It says God so loved the world. This word so, uh, if you have an ESV Bible like I do that has footnotes or really any other Bible probably has this footnote. If you look at the little footnote, it gives you an alternate interpretation for this part of the verse. And it says, or... For this is how God loved the world. And I would suggest that that's probably the more accurate way to put it, to render the Greek. There isn't a comparison idea here that God loved us so much more than something else. Rather, it gives us the how he loved us. Just calibrate your heart with this truth for this season. Maybe your life is absent The affections of the person you once loved, maybe you've been widowed, or maybe you're single and longing for a certain kind of love, or maybe your family's members that you do have, they're not loving you the way that you want them to love you, or maybe it's all of the above and your heart is very heavy. But calibrate your heart, remind yourself of this simple truth, God loved you. God loves you. 
And whenever you don't feel loved this season, for whatever reason, counsel your heart with that simple four-word phrase, but God loves you. If God loved you from eternity past and continues to love you perfectly, remember that, then our hearts are filled with that truth, and then we won't be as affected by another's lack of love towards us, some other place, whatever that might be. In the Christmas season, that can literally come from any direction. Someone not loving us the way that we want them to. Just calibrate your heart going into this season that God loves you. You don't need the love of anyone else to be fully satisfied. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But God loved you, and he loved you in this way. Point number two, God gave his son. God loved you in this way that he gave his only son. There's that little word, that, at the beginning of that phrase. It's a conjunction that refers to the actual results of something. So God loved the world, and the actual result of that love was he gave his son, his only son. Only is the Greek word monogenes, and this word describes something that is the only one of its kind or class. It's totally unique. It is the only example in its category. So we are sons of God. The angels receive that title as well, the sons of God. But this isn't just any one of those. This is the only son of God, the one who is in a category all his own. The second person of the Trinity, God himself. God gave that son. God gave something of infinite value to you and I. So a question for you. This truth, God gave you his son. How might you use this truth that God gave his only son to encourage your own heart this season as maybe things don't go the way you want them to? How could you use this simple truth, God gave his only son, to encourage your heart this season as things maybe don't go the way you want? Bruce. I guess I think in, in the spirit of Christmas, the gifts that we have, this is a gift that was given to us. God's yeah. only son. Yeah, this, so in, in, in terms and of... No gift can top that. Yeah, you know, maybe you don't like what gift you get from somebody else, and maybe you're discouraged. You know, there's no 10-year-olds in here. I don't expect that's going to be a huge problem in here. But you can counsel your 10-year-old with this. Hey, the greatest gift that you're never going to be disappointed with is, is this. Good. Who else had a microphone? Um, my thought was of infinite gratitude that there is, there is no limit to how kind God has been. Yeah. Yeah, and that's expressed in the infinite person of his son. God's infinite... Uh, love for us, the magnitude of that gift is unparalleled. Yeah, well, and and by contrast, it should be it should confront us when we run into difficulty around the holidays. You know what? The activation of God's love was giving something of of infinite worth yeah. that we have nothing to compare to. So, if the activation of our love is to put up with, you know, crazy Aunt Velma. For an hour, 
we need to be able to do that. Yeah. If that is to show humility in the face of a difficult relationship, uh, to be the peacemaker um, in the living room, then, then what is that compared to what God has already given on our behalf? You know, the activation of my love is as nothing compared to what God has already given. Yeah. And, and that should just make it so much easier for, for us to deal with other people. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. As we remember what God has done for us, what he has given us, that's nothing in comparison to what we uh, should give, even just to be a Christ-like uh, example to all of those unbelieving family members. Betsy? He didn't just give Jesus as an example either, but when Jesus went back to heaven, the Spirit came. The Spirit mm -hmm. of Jesus is in us, so we don't just have to try in our flesh to imitate Jesus or right. guilt ourselves by his example. Uh, but one step further, if we belong to him, we have his spirit in us to actually make it possible for us to, yeah. to follow his, his example. Yeah, we have the power of the spirit. We have the spirit living within us to obey all of his commands. Um, and uh, that, that's a huge blessing as I've been... Uh, studying through even the Old Testament, uh, thinking about the ramifications that those Old Testament believers were not indwelt with the Holy Spirit. They don't have that same power that we do uh, today, but that's a huge uh, deal. Yeah. Adam. Um, to also think about how perfect that gift was. What was the, the debt that we had? What was it that we needed? He fills that role perfectly. It is a yeah. perfect gift. It is not just a good one or yeah. something that will pass, but it is a perfect one. Yeah, and so when things at Christmas don't go our way, we don't get what we want, not necessarily even in, in gifts, but even our expectations for how Christmas is going to go, and we don't get things how we want. We remember, hey, Christ, he did this perfectly. He was He's everything that I need. I don't need all this other stuff that maybe I thought I did, or even that my emotions are wrapped up in. Yeah, Chuck. Just we all we think of of uh, attributes of God or excellencies or perfections of God, and um, the one that we kind of land on a lot, uh, or Bill will encourage us to land on this one that God is good, mm -hmm. and this is the ultimate example of God's goodness is the gift of His Son. Yeah, and then just taking off on what um, I think Betsy and uh, said, and also Adam, just. It's, it's a, I hate to use this trite phrase, but it, it's never really thought through the gift that keeps on giving. You know, that's the Holy right. Spirit in us. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. The, the gift that keeps on giving, the gospel that we continue to, to counsel ourselves with of the, the goodness of God. Um, good. So maybe you don't get what you want. For Christmas, but like I said, we're not 10. I'm, I'm talking to you parents here. It's not about the presents. Maybe we don't get the time with certain family we want. Our expectations aren't met somehow. And calibrate our hearts now, going into the season, that whatever happens, even if our expectations are blown, we know that what God gave in His only Son, it overshadows anything in the grand scheme of things. His infinite gift, not to brighten any dark day, 
His gift is, is so good that nothing else moves the needle on the scale of, of greatest gift ever. And yes, our emotions might take a while to get aligned with reality, but if you lead with these truths, if you continue to remind yourself of these truths, your emotions will follow suit. They make a good caboose to the train. So when your expectations aren't met for Christmas, you don't get what you want, remind yourself that God gave you His only Son. That Christ, the second person of the Trinity, He gave up His rights and privileges as the King of the universe, the sovereign over all, to take on flesh and be knit together in the womb as a man. That's what He gave up. Sitting on a throne with all the rights and privileges of a king to be knit together as a baby in a womb. The one who existed in eternal blessedness with the Father and the Spirit, totally contented together, he subjected himself to a body that was ever-changing. The sovereign of the universe subjected himself to be a helpless baby in a manger. The one who is all-powerful, able to command legions of angels, subjected himself to those whom he created to be beaten so severely that he could not be recognized. And as the second person of the Trinity, he held every atom together and in motion in those men's bodies while they spit on him and beat him and nailed him to a cross, putting him to death. All of this is wrapped up in God giving his son. That's what God gave his son to die in your place. Is there any greater gift that you could have received than your life back, someone dying in your place? That's what God gave you. His only son to die in your place. And not only that, but then we receive, this is what Adam was getting at, the righteousness of Christ. All his righteous deeds accredited to our account, a gift of infinite value. So this is what God gave in his son. And whatever we want for Christmas, time with family, maybe time without certain family members. Whatever we want pales in comparison because we have received eternal life. Point three, we receive his life. God gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The that right there is the Greek word hina, which indicates the purpose. The purpose for God giving his only son was so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It states it in the negative with the strongest way something can be negated in the Greek. He gave his son that those who would believe would absolutely never be destroyed, condemned, and then the positive that they would have eternal life. This phrase eternal life, it's used 50 times in scripture. The concept behind this phrase eternal life is understood primarily as the life that belongs to God. When John uses this phrase, it isn't as much about length of life, but a definite quality of life. Uh, one dictionary says this, and I quote, it is, it is a different life from the old existence typified by hate, lack of love, sin, pain, and death. Eternal life does not therefore just begin in the future. It is already possessed of those who have entered into fellowship with Christ. Thus, John 3.15 speaks of having life here in the present, end quote. 
So God has given his son that we might have his quality of life. That we might have life, the same life that belongs to God. It is a blessed life where we are totally contented and blessed within the relationship that we have with God. That was Christ's life. That was the life that existed in God before anything else was created. The Trinity existing in blessedness and contentedness within the relationship that they had with one another. And when we become believers and are regenerated and enter into a relationship with God, that's the kind of life we receive where we can be completely blessed and contented simply with the relationship we have with God. God in this eternal blessedness needed and desired nothing outside that relationship. And that is the kind of life he has given to us who know him. But because of this body of death, we continue to desire the things of death, the old life. But God has given us life that we can continue to grow in our contentedness in God alone as we are sanctified, looking for the day when that will be totally complete. But this is the life he has given us now. So whatever expectations might get blown this holiday season, remind yourself of what God has given, the life and the ability to be contented in him alone. And remember too, that the disciples' expectations were pretty blown when Christ died, right? They had expectations for a kingdom and then Christ died. Calibrate your heart and remind yourself as often as needed that God's plan often involves his people's expectations being destroyed, not met. But God knows better. The disciples' expectations being blown resulted in the salvation of the world. All who believe, Jew or Gentile, receive eternal life. And if this plan resulted in blown expectations, but the best gift ever, eternal life, do you think God might have a better plan when your expectations get blown? When your Christmas doesn't go as planned? So let's calibrate our hearts for this Christmas season, remembering, first of all, that it's all about Christ, not about us. Right? Christmas is about Christ, for crying out loud. But as our hearts are affected by the things that happen, and they will be because we're human, let's calibrate our hearts with these truths, making the necessary adjustment along the way. Remember that God loved you, God gave his son, and you have received his blessed life that is incomparable to anything else you might receive this season. Heavenly Father, and I just pray for all of us here that we would calibrate our hearts with these truths for this Christmas, that we would continue to remind ourselves of them as often as needed, that no matter what happens this Christmas season with unbelieving family watching, with our children watching, that we would react in a positive way, in a Christ-like manner, that we would remember the true reason for this season is your son taking on flesh and becoming a man to die in our place that we might receive your righteousness. Help that be central in our minds this season as things don't go our way. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.